We're going to bring you on to our huddle. You are in the Warriors Huddle with me, Bram, no Marcus today, but with me per usual, my master. All things video and sound, Maxime. How's it going? Maxime, happy Halloween, man. Um, let me start this by saying I'm really pleased to see that you are not in a costume. I was a little worried, and I thought, like, maybe if you showed up on this video dressed as, like, a pirate or some shit, I'd be super distracted. So, I mean, nicely played. <laughs> I would definitely dress up as a ninja, trying to rob a bank. Uh, and you mean no, trying to protect a bank. Damn it. Today. Yeah. <laughs> don't just screw up your own reference. And I don't mind telling you, uh, in fact, I'm proud of it. No stupid, gimmicky Halloween segments today. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to ask you, like, what do you think Steph Curry is for Halloween? Or, like, if Draymond Green was a piece of candy, what piece of candy was? So, all of that's to the side. But I will ask you this, um, and I think I know its answer. But as a kid, even now, what kind of person were you? If you went up to the door, no one was there, bowl of candy out front, did you take the two or three that were allotted or did you go like the full big ass handful or take the whole bag and bounce? Like who were you growing up? I mean, you know, you already know. So I won't, of course I took the two or three, but then on top of it, like it wasn't a self-righteous thing. If some other kid did that, I was just thinking sad about them for, you know, for the rest of time. So I, I definitely judged others that would do that. I mean, thinking sad, like you thought that their future was not going to be bright or something. If they yeah, took one, did you that is candy? exactly what I mean. Like, I, I actually feel empathy. You know, I'm like, I'm sad on their behalf. I'm like, ah, this is not going to go well for you. This life thing. Yeah, well, I mean, I can confirm that that is unfortunately true. And I can feel you judging me right now. I was the asshole who split the difference. I'd go and like take the whole thing and then feel guilty and walk back and put it like <laughs> back into the bowl. And then other people would be super confused. Like, I don't think you understand how Halloween works, dude. Like, you're not supposed to put candy in there. But <laughs> I digress. Maxime, I couldn't be more fired up to talk about this warrior season, dude. The perfect start. And so to illustrate that, what we would normally do, how we normally start this thing, the glass half full. We'd kind of quickly look back and just give a handful of things we like and we don't. Well, F that, Maxime, let's dig in, dude. I want to make this our lion share segment because we're going to be spending most of our time. So at the end of it, I'll ask you if we haven't covered some things, give me, you know, whatever we've left out. But before that, let's turn it into a full grading session. I am going to give you a name and then we're going to determine a grade for that person's play or decisions in the you know, first four or five games of the season. But a little twist, a slight twist here. My experience has been that there's two times in an NBA season where overreaction is rampant. <laughs> it happens in between playoff games during a series, right? And it happens right at the beginning of a season. We all make these giant proclamations after about a week that don't always come to be true. So in this one, we're going to drop our grade and then tell me if you think they can sustain it. You know, is this just an initial deal here or can we look towards a full season? And here's our first name, probably our most fun, Steph Curry. What do you got? Give me a grade on Steph's beginning of the season. A plus? Can we give a grade? We can put another plus on that? A plus plus? I wish there was a letter before A. It's just unbelievable. I, it's so exciting to watch this dude play. And um, I know we're, we're probably going to talk about Chris Paul in a minute, so I won't go into too much detail there. But the way that Chris Paul unlocks Steph's game, when Steph is on the court or when he's off the court, just by giving him an opportunity to rest without having the second unit completely implode means that we have the best version of Steph Curry, a Steph Curry who's still clearly in his prime, who everybody's saying 
forget LeBron. This is the dude that's going to be playing well into his 40s, playing at an elite level, on ball, off ball. Uh, so coming up with new celebrations that are breaking the league, it's just an absolute... He's my favorite player, bar none, across the league. I'm so happy that he's on my team. Steph has, by my count, four titles, two MVPs, 73 win season. I mean, all the types of things you put on a historically great resume. And the start to his season has been so fucking good, Maxime, that they're asking him things like, is this the hottest you've ever been to start a year? So, yeah, dude, A-plus feels like a pretty fair place to start. And what Steph said, by the way, in answer to that was no. That 2016, the first four games of that season, was his hottest. And, you know, obviously we got to defer to that. But I'll tell you what, one of the things that I think actually distinguishes this from 2016, and you kind of talked about it, is the fun he's having out there. You know, like I, I don't have a time machine, dude, so I've never really been able to experience this. But I would imagine if you, you know, you win a championship, then you could go back in time and go through the championship season. You'd have way more fun because there's no pressure. You knew you were going to win, right? You don't have to go through the tension of like how each one of these was going to play out. I don't know if Steph's from the fucking future, but I've never seen him have more fun during these first four games. That that four point dance he did against Sacramento, where he was just aggressively pushing his four hands out the bout, <laughs> or the you know home alone slash the scream thing he had against Dylan Brooks. It's not just that he is dominating; he is dominating and then celebrating as if he's playing in the Drew League. And so I um, I don't remember a time when I enjoyed his play more. You know, and, and that's there's some recency bias. I mean, obviously, there's been some finals games, but is an A plus justified? Absolutely. And it actually leads to two follow up questions from that. So here's my first What fan base do you think hates Steph Curry the most? Because I think there's got to be a ton. You know, like the, what brought this up to me was first Sacramento, because Steph mm. instigates that crowd in a way that I don't think he instigates any other crowd. It wasn't just that four-point dance. There's times where he's sneering in to the opposing crowd, which is not something he does all the time. But I don't think it's Sacto because they're like good-natured. You know, I don't. I try to start a hate relationship with Sacto fan during last year's first uh, first round. <laughs> That's right. And like it didn't really happen. They were like kind of nice to me, and you know, like all this other stuff. So I don't think it's Sacramento. I'm gonna venture Houston, and mm-hmm. it's a long-standing hate. You know, it's like a PTSD hate from when CP3 was there and Harden was there, but we saw a little piece of it when he destroyed Dylan. Um, so that's my answer. What do you think? Yeah, that that's actually the team that came first to mind for me. It's it's just like this dude is making four threes in a row. And if I'm a Houston fan, I'm like 27 fucking missed threes in a row. If we had Steph, we could have gotten one. It, it's probably something like Houston, but I'm also going to, th- I feel like the, the Harden parade has left in its wake a bunch of teams that are prime candidates for the Steph Curry hate because Steph is a lifer. It looks like he's probably going to retire a warrior. He started his career as a warrior. We as a fan base get to rest assured that our star player is not going anywhere while Harden leaves Houston, then leaves Brooklyn, then leaves, as we just found out, uh, Philadelphia, right? And so it's it's like this this person that you can't rely on on the court or off the court. Uh, so I'm, I might vote to the Philadelphia at this point. I like that. I also like how Steph will get to hate you or ha- how Steph will get you to hate him. You know, the, the stuff he's doing on the floor is nothing short of magic. It's shit that we've never seen before. 
And so that kind of adds a little insult to the injury. You know, it'd be one thing if somebody just fires off an insult to you. It's another thing if they fire off an insult and then do like a double backflip in your face. Oh. And it feels like that's what he is doing constantly. Here's my last step follow-up. I've gotten to the portion vaccine where I've looked up his MVP odds too. I can tell you that as of right now, here's how the MVP uh, shakedown goes. Luca is your odds on favorite along with Joker at four to one. Then comes Tatum at seven to one. On the other end of the spectrum is Giannis and Embiid at nine to one. Then we have Steph at 10 to one. And I tell you what, dude, I'm, I'm, I think I might place this bet. Oh, wow. Uh, I don't think it's out of control. I think 10 to one's fairly solid. And if this year continues down like this path, I think he'll be in the conversation. So, uh, MT, good entrance, good timing. What we're talking about right now is Steph's beginning of the season. And even more than that, I think I'm going to bet him on MVP at 10 to 1. Good bet or bad bet? I think it's a good bet. I think Luca will probably end up winning it. He's, he's looking pretty solid right now, and his rebounds and assists are enough over Steph that even if he loses the scoring battle, I think he wins it. But, you know, 10 to 1, I think that's a solid bet. You'll probably um, get a good return on your money if, if Steph pulls it off. And just to add to the conversation earlier, I think Boston is the fan base. I think um, the way he pointed to his ring finger in that, in, you know, denying Boston that championship, to me, Cleveland was, is a close second, but KD probably sticks out to them so i think boston ends up being the fan base that really hates steph the most you know why i disagree with it so boston's on my list too and i like that take but here's why i disagree with it i don't think boston holds on to their hate you know i think that they i think it's like the kind of person like gets into a fight and then moves on immediately like no longer even is worried about the person they fought i think they hated steph when he pointed at his finger I think they hated Steph when he won the title. I think if you asked him now, they've probably moved on to somebody else's in the building. You know, like I don't, I don't know if it like <laughs> resonates with them. Whereas yeah. I do believe Houston fan, the second they see Steph, they're like, fuck that guy. You know, like there's there's like some built up anger that might be there. Yeah, fair take. Yeah. Maybe uh, Minnesota because they could have drafted him. Uh twice. Follow up on Luca, by the way, too. And really, this is just an F fantasy basketball take. So a little um a little background for those who haven't heard me talk about. It. I've been playing fantasy for far too long. I have no idea why. I hate it. I'm bad with competition in all forms, certainly in fantasy. And my goal this year, playing the 18 straight years, like look, look just calm, care, show like a TV show. If you're losing, it doesn't mean anything. You wouldn't get angry at an episode of succession. There's no reason to get angry at an episode of fantasy basketball. So we start the season. It's going fine. I feel like I'm going to win. I'm out to eat with my family. I think this was Saturday night. I'm, I'm like basking in the company of my wife and my child. The things are going well. Then I look at my phone and Luka Doncic has gone for 49 points against my team. I fucking hated everybody. <laughs> I, and I'm not, I'm like, I hated my server. I hated the strangers at the restaurant. I think I hated my family, dude. So like, fuck you, Luca. F fantasy. I have no idea. Why I do any of this, boys, to our second player. We need a grade. It is CP3. Maxime, what's your grade? Yeah, again, I'm going to I'm gonna give another A-plus out here. And this is crazy to me. This is crazy to me as a Warriors fan. This is crazy to me as a basketball fan who is not a fan of 
basically Houston or the LA Clippers or I guess OKC because I feel like outside of those fan bases he's universally hated and so it's it's really wild the double take that I've had to do but I just I, I'm so excited about this guy let me let me read to you guys a quote this is from Gary Payton after the New Orleans game yesterday right he says with Chris here that cuts half of what Steph's got to do bringing up the ball getting to get it uh, getting us into offense we got Chris to do some of that so by the time the fourth quarter comes late Steph's got energy He's still got energy to do what he does. That's another strength for us. Have CP come in and control, handle the ball, and get guys to where they need to be, and just let 30 run around. And so that, like, what that says to me is that, you know, with Curry still at his apex, he's now got somebody in CP3 who can not only lead the team in plus minus, by the way, he's like 10th in the league overall at plus 46, early sample size, whatever, but he's leading uh, the Warriors to a plus 31 when Curry's out on the court. So that means that Steph has more time to sit. He doesn't have to stress out about us losing points. I mean, we know all of this. But I, the thing that, that I didn't expect to happen is that through all of that, you get more of prime Steph because Chris Paul is, is able to give him the rest that he needs. So we're getting some of these celebrations. We're getting the pure joy that is Steph Curry that we know from, you know, from the un, from the unanimous MVP era, I think in large part because of Chris Paul. This is the fact that he's willing to come off the bench without any issue. Uh, it's just like, that's the A+. plus. That's exactly... He is providing us more opportunity to enjoy our favorite player. I never thought I would see the day. I love that take. Although I will give you shit, Marcus, help me with this. I mean, he's our master of all things sound, and he's reading the GPT quote. He couldn't, he couldn't have pulled the sound on that and played it for us. Hey, you could blame that on Anthony Slater. I don't think there is sound for that. Felt like it really would have been like a real underlying moment if we had had a little actual <laughs> clip to play there. Um, I thought the take was great. And so here, here's my follow up. I used to experience non-Steph moments or non-Steph minutes, I guess I should say. Like I would experience swimming in shark infested waters. You were just waiting for something terrible to happen. It just made you feel, you feel uneasy the entire time. It's something you had to survive. I look forward to them now. Mm. The, the competency that CP3 has added to that second unit cannot be understated. Cannot be understated. And you've already said this, but I'll say it again. We spent months worrying about what he would do if he had to go to the bench. Well, I dedicated like 10 episodes, dude. We, we covered that in every possible way. And then the second they needed it, you know how much drama it caused? Zero, 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 zero. He came off without any problem at all. And in that last game against New Orleans, Clay is hurt, still comes off the bench. No problem. You know, and he's, he's playing 30 minutes a game. He's still closing out. He's having the impact we want. What's my grade for him? Absolutely A. And I don't think I've ever changed my mind faster on somebody that I have with CP3. And that's unusual. Like my kid, eight, she changes her mind at the drop of a hat. She might like mac and cheese tonight. <laughs> she might hate it tomorrow. She'll change, you know, like who knows what her favorite color is. Flips on, you know, depending on when you ask her. I haven't changed in decades, boys. You know, I don't, I don't like new things, dude. And my opinion has completely flipped on CP3. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm going to go A minus and everything you said is what pushes him to an A. And, and you know, I, I look forward to it being an A plus as he continues to get more comfortable with the second unit and have that influence. Um, why it's a minus for me is just because of his three point shot. He's consistently mm. hit three pointers against us in a way that was just maddening because his elbow jumper is already automatic. So you add a little long range to it and it's, it's frustrating because he can get to his spots. Um, and then he comes out with us and it's like he's doing Kelly Oubre, you know, like 0 for 11 for his first, you know, 
three-point attempts. So when he finally hit one and, you know, he celebrated and said thank you and, you know, Steph has a fun moment with him where he cheers with him and says it's about time, you know. So um, that's the only reason for the minus, but, you know, law of averages should kick in and I'm looking forward to him being around 35 36% by the end of the season. We need a little disagreement on here too, so I like that you added the minus. Let's go to Wiggins, all right? Because he's the only one who's not a underlined, unbelievable, hooray success. Um, I get, you know, B, B minus. Uh, and the only thing that makes it glaring to me, because, you know, they're undefeated on the road, dude. All the things that we wanted to see to start this year, we are seeing. But another thing we talked about is we're going to need a second all-star. I keep saying I think it was going to be Wiggins. And this is totally unfounded, unfair, and I shouldn't say but he still seems as distracted as he seemed when he came back from whatever the hell it was he came back from last year. And so early, you know, I mean, we're, we're a few games in here and there's no reason to think he can't turn it around by a B minus about. Um, and I also wouldn't mind saying, does every trip to the free throw line with Wiggins have to be an adventure? Like everyone, <laughs> dude, like I, I, we watched the last one and I turned, I was watching the game, I think with my kid and said, I guarantee you, he misses one of these shots and she didn't care. She wasn't paying attention. And then he missed one of the shots and I look like a fucking soothsayer. So, uh, I, I think he can turn it around, but yeah, not the star we wanted. Yeah. I think he's a B minus as well. I, I think I underappreciated the impact CP three would have on him. I think mm. he's having to find his way a little bit on the team with that with the, that big personality and that much talent. He's he's used to being right after Steph and Clay in terms of uh, you know the offensive go to, and and now the ball goes to CP3 and it needs to find him because he can facilitate more. Um, so I think he's probably you know like for whatever reason just didn't think of it. He's he's got the a bigger learning curve than we anticipated. So um, he's starting off terribly. I think his shot will start to fall a little bit. Um, and, you know, hopefully it'll come around because we definitely need playoff wigs from a few years ago. Maxime, take the mic, but do it with a different player. And I'm going to give you a smorgasbord. You can pick who you want. All of them are young. Either Moses, JK, or Trace Jackson Davis. Oh, my gosh. I, it's going to be hard for me to, to pick one here. <laughs> You can tell I've just I've just got unbridled optimism. I'm so excited. In fact, to the point that I feel like at this point, and I was thinking about this when I was watching the New Orleans game last night, I don't think there's a single person on our team that Steve Kerr could put out on the floor. And I, you know, like, and I would like w be watching in between my hands. Like there, there, are, there have been fools. We talked about Kelly Oubre, you know, it, for different reasons, Anthony Lamb, where I'm just like, what are like, what are we doing, Steve? It doesn't matter to me. There's there's upside to each one of these players with Moody shot falling. Cool. You know, I'm really excited about it. Also, MC, to your point, you made a really good point about uh, Wiggins's role kind of needing to shift maybe more than we would have thought. I think that's also true because of Kaminga. Um, you know, Wiggins was our primary rebounder, and now we're asking Kaminga to be doing a lot of that work. Wiggins is gonna ha is having to change a lot of his identity on this squad um, in ways that I hadn't really thought about beforehand. But anyways, I want to give a grade to Trace Jackson Davis because, like, I'm riding on on the highest high we saw we had takes in the in the Patreon Discord about or on the Patreon Slack about how this dude was like already better than Wiseman's best game 
you know, shout out to Warriors Muse for that line. There's there's only a handful of people in their first or second game that have had the stat line that he had that was basically a double-double, but then you had four blocks on top of it. Um, just absurd. You guys can go look up uh, the Stat Muse link. But, I, you know, I was, I was actually kind of sad that ultimately the league rescinded the, his 10th rebound so that he didn't technically get the double-double. I don't particularly care about these lines, but I thought it was... Did you guys see the um, Baby T nickname that he got? And then uh, that got rescinded? Yeah, I saw a few. I saw Sweet T and Fitzgerald constantly talks about that they can't decide on a nickname. By the way, Fitz is already driving me crazy this oh, year. Um, but to back that Warriors Muse post, what they pointed out, not only, and I guess it isn't a double-double anymore, but when it was, that Trace Jackson Davis wasn't only one of the first rookies to be able to do that in his first or second game. And the other people were like David Robinson and Shaq and that kind of stuff. But he was the first person to do that in less than 20 minutes. Everybody else on that list, and again, Hall of Famers occupied it, all required more than 30 minutes to put up those numbers. And TJD did it in like 15 or 16 or something. Um, so yeah, future's bright. Would, would either of you, let's say the Pistons, Give us a call right now or during this podcast. Suddenly we get hit up by their GM and they'd like to trade us straight up Wiseman for Trace Jackson Davis. Would you say yeah? No. No. <laughs> of course not. No. We've already seen how that fits and we've already, we've already seen that movie. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's sort of like what we're seeing with Jordan Poole with the Wizards right now where he's kind of like, he thinks he's more in his bag than he actually is. You know, he's expecting to be more of a star than it turns out he's capable of being. I don't think that Wiseman has that mm, that same thinking. But, like, Trace Jackson Davis just understands his responsibilities, right? He's, like, setting screens in the right way. He's just solid. His passing is solid. He's doing the right things. He's not trying to be more than he is. He's exactly who we need. We didn't—we have Steph Curry. We don't need a top-two pick. We need somebody that understands their role, and he does it perfectly. Yeah. You can do that a different way. I think when Wiseman was at his best, or at least when he was trying to be at his best, he was trying to be some combination of like Steph and Sean Kemp, like this athletic shooter who could do everything on the floor. When TJD is out there doing what we need him to do, he's doing his best impersonation of Looney. He's just doing the things that we need. He's making the play that's right in front of him. He's finishing lobs. He's getting rebounds. He's not trying to hit three-pointers or step back 18-footers. He's not trying to spin around people. He's mm -hmm. just being aggressively competent, something that Wiseman never did. And it's exactly what we need. So, yeah, man, um, I love it. Yeah, and I think you got to shout out Mike Denlevy, too. I mean, the, the – um, voices from Dev Nation of what are you doing? We need a big man. Why didn't you sign Christian Wood? Why didn't you sign Dwight Howard? Um, all of that in the off season was loud. And, you know, uh, it looks like part of the reason why we didn't is because they had this belief and they saw what they see in TJD. So, you know, again, it's super early, small sample size, but if they are evaluating the talent and they've seen more than we have, and they say, this guy can be that guy, then, you know, like it, it makes sense. And then we, I think we owe Mike D an apology. I was going to say, shout out to Mike D. How about screamed apologies to Mike D. <laughs> Marcus, I'm to the point where I, maybe I need to look back at his playing career and he was actually really good when we drafted him in three years. <laughs> like I, I feel like there's some kind of major misunderstanding that I've missed out on. So yeah, Mike D that's on me, dude. Hell of a right decision. Maybe you did show more heart when you played here. And I really, should have appreciated how great you were. Okay, um, one last Warriors take and then a quick judgment theater. Boys, here's the Warriors take. I was going to ask you to give me the grade for the team at large. I know we're running a little bit long, so instead I'll just put it this way. I see a ton of similarities to Warriors title teams. 
For one, third quarter dominance is back. As of today, they've outscored their opponents 142 to 95 in the third quarter. The strength in numbers is back. We've talked about how competent the second unit is. They're good on the road. They're 3-0. and I love that their first win came uh, actually in an opponent's arena. And then maybe most importantly, the vibes are back. They're enjoying yes. each other. And that's true across the board. I mean, the rookies, it looks like Trace is already kind of a part of the celebrations. There, there is a team feel that we have not had since our last title, boy. So things are looking good. But here's our judgment theater, right? Someone wrote in to ask us, do you boys ever wear a Halloween costume at work? So don't answer immediately. Instead, guess. Start with me. What do you think? In my decades of working, I've been at work many times on a Halloween. Have I ever shown up in any kind of a costume? Not once. Go ahead, Maxine. Not once. <laughs> yeah, easy. Fuck no. It hella bothers me when other people do. It's ridiculous. You're an adult. They're paying you to be here. Save it for when you get to the house. Uh, MT, I know you got to go, so let's go to you. Not by choice, but you did it at some point for like team spirit. Like they had some day where like a bunch of other people were also going to do it. You knew that that was going to happen. And said, instead of being like bitter like me, showing up and still not wearing it, even though you were supposed to, you showed up, not that happy, but you wore it. Yeah, I feel like there is, you know, with, with MT's line of work, sometimes you got to like play team ball a little bit. So I think that's the right call. Spot on. It's always been team pressure <laughs> that I, I've caved into, and it, it happened today. I switched out of it. I almost joined I'm Ted Lasso this year, and I almost joined as Ted Lasso for this episode. <laughs> that would have annoyed me so much. It would have been amazing if you had gotten up right now, and for the first time we saw your pants, and you're wearing like MC Hammer pants or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, like you just you just parachute pants your way out, and like that's it. <laughs> that's the end of your fucking appearance. Um, Maxime, a hundred percent yes. I feel like you've worn a costume to work when it wasn't Halloween. You just like just showed up for like some team morale shit. Like, oh, today felt like a good day to be, I don't know, Bubba Fat or something. And you were just did that on that day. Yeah, I agree. I think he's done it before. I don't know if showing up outside of Halloween, but I think he's definitely showed up on Halloween in a costume. Not quite, not quite. I'm pretty lazy when it comes to the Halloween costumes, but I did in a former life uh, do some door-to-door -door campaigning for a political campaign, and I was doing so on Halloween, and so I remembered, I yes, I had to wear a costume so that I would appear acceptable as I was going door-to-door. -door. I like how your vocal inflection when you first said not quite suggested like we were ridiculous for guessing that, and then it turns out not only did you do it, Once. but you went door-to-door -door in a costume. I had to. <laughs> Very quite, job. actually. <laughs> <laughs> that is incredible. Um, I've had multiple scenarios where fools have shown up at work, you know, and I'm not working a law firm, so it's a little stuffy as is, and I'm a pain in the ass, so I took it hard. So I've got a few rules, three rules I'd like to share with the audience on if you are going to wear a costume to work. Whoa. I mean, rule number one should be don't wear one, but like if you're that guy and you have to, here they are. Rule number one, it should not cost more than 50 bucks. Don't show up in something that's like, super ornate and expensive looking and now all mm. of us have to feel very awkward on how we can interact with it do we have to make a big deal about it i mean if you're gonna do it keep it nice and cheap number two shouldn't take up a lot of space or prevent you from working dude we had a guy last year who showed up in one of those inflatable dinosaur costumes and like okay first five or six minutes fine Two hours later, I can't get into the copy room because the Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> is taking up 90% of it. 
They, they can't operate it themselves. It's a nightmare. So let's just keep the size somewhat in check. And then finally, three, don't let it change your voice or your personality. Again, mm. that person in the T-Rex was like growling when we would ask them to do assignments. Fuck out of here, dude. You are a legal clerk. You are not a dinosaur. And when we hand off a legal assignment, I don't need you to roar back at me. You know, so if you have to do this, there has to be rules. These are the rules I'm settling on. Wow. Who knew we get a, a, a dose of basketball podcast and then a dose of um, Halloween rules. I really appreciate that. The one that I don't know if it's specific to work um, and maybe you're going to disagree with this, especially with the under $50 thing, but I, I think that costumes that you just go to a store and buy, it's like, okay, that, what's the point? You know, don't, 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 if you're going to actually dress up, like, let's be like, let's put some effort into it. Otherwise just don't bother. That's my, that's my take. Between like eight and 10 um, years old for me, my dad made costumes for me and he Whoa. made them out of cardboard. All right. And by 10, he nailed it. He was, he was always really good and made models and stuff, but it never made models that people would have to wear. And so it took a little bit of evolution before we hit the right costume. When I was eight, he made a computer costume that I had to wear on my shoulders. You know how they do that like Halloween parade where you walk around the schoolyard? Oh, sure. I remember spending the entire time falling forward because that thing was heavy as shit. <laughs> and so there, there are times when the store-made costume has its place, you know? <laughs> but uh, still, shout out to my dad for incredible ingenuity and phenomenal costumes. Um, Maxime. Let the people know. So if they want to shoot us a email, let us know we did a good job, bad job, any job, or even get us a question for a future episode. Where should they send it? Huddle at warriorshuddle.com. Oh, um, you have been putting together some awesome videos up on our YouTube page. For those who want to check that out, go to YouTube, search Warriors Huddle. We're also on social media everywhere. Uh, with that in mind, don't spend more than 50 bucks on a costume. Go Warriors. Happy Halloween. And hopefully we'll see you real soon. Good, good.